0: Do you ever feel like sometimes things in the world are just backwards? Sometimes it just feels like the good guys can never win and the bad guys can never lose. I think that's why we like watching films so much. I think when we watch movies, it allows us to sort of escape this world and cheer on the good guy. Because chances are, the good guy or girl, whoever your favorite character in your film is, Chances are that they overcome whatever odds stand against them. Maybe they defeat the bad guy. They get the guy or the girl. I know it's why I love Star Wars. I love that the rebels overthrow the Empire. I love that light defeats dark, not even just on the big scale, but even within the life of some of the characters like Darth Vader or Kylo Ren. But the reality is, life is not at all like a movie. Sometimes the rebels lose and the big companies, the big powerhouse political parties win. You can even see it where dictatorships thrive. We also see that the little guy loses in day to day life. We know that someone who cheats someone else out might be the very person who gets the sales bonus. We know that the student who cheats on a test is more likely to get an A than that student who struggles in that subject, who even though they studied, probably is just gonna come out with a C plus or a B minus at best. We struggle through so many things, and it feels like it's never fair. The same thing can be true of our relationships, where those individuals who never really value people end up in relationships, while other people who long for a relationship and value others the most stay single or don't have very many friends. Sometimes when we hear that phrase, nice guys finish last, we just can't help but nod along in agreement because that's just the way the world is sometimes and it never seems to stop today as we continue on in our series life under the sun we're going to continue on by looking at this theme and and how do we live in light of the things that we cannot control If you've got your Bible, I'd encourage you to turn it to Ecclesiastes chapter 8 verses 10 to 15 in a message that I'm titling Justice and Joy. Now, as you turn in Ecclesiastes uh, to chapter 8, well, let me just catch you up a little bit on where we are. We're in the midst of the book. We're, we're kind of three quarters of the way through and we're camped out in a section where the teacher of Ecclesiastes is talking about different elements of life that we cannot control. He's talking about how do we live wisely and in respect to God, fearing him in the midst of sometimes very difficult circumstances. And that's really where we end up sitting today as we think about the fact that sometimes the wicked prosper and the good guy loses. Sometimes we just go on through life and experience those things that just seem to frustrate us. So let's dive into it in Ecclesiastes chapter 8, verses 10 to 15. Then too I saw the wicked buried, those who used to come and go from the holy place and receive praise in the city where they did this. This too is meaningless. When the sentence for a crime is not quickly carried out, people's hearts are filled with schemes to do wrong. Although a wicked person who commits a hundred crimes may live a long time. I know that it will, be, it will go better with those who fear God, who are reverent before him. Yet because the wicked do not fear God, it will not go well with them, and their days will not lengthen like a shadow. There is something else meaningless that occurs on the earth, the righteous who get what the wicked deserve and the wicked who get what the righteous deserve. This too, I say, is meaningless. So I commend the enjoyment of life because there is nothing better for a person under the sun than to eat and drink and be glad. Then joy will accompany them in their toil all the days of life God has given them under the sun. Okay, so as we jump into this in verse 10, the teacher gives us some context for this wisdom that he's about to drop. In verse 10 we read, Then too I saw the wicked buried, those who used to come and go from the holy place and receive praise in the city where they did this. Now we're not exactly sure whether uh, the teacher had actually just come from a funeral. Maybe they saw a processional going by. Maybe they were just thinking about life and death of somebody they knew. But what we do know is that as The teacher contemplated this, it gave him some perspective on life and a a different view of how life plays out and how we ought to live. Charles Spurgeon once said, the sign of a funeral is a very healthful thing for the soul. And so the teacher invites us to think about the injustices that we see happening in our world in the life and death perspective. At the heart of what we look at, we are going to see, though, that there's sort of two elements that are held together, but sometimes can be seen as very separate, justice and joy. Ultimately, as we walk through this passage, we will see that for all people, whether good or bad, we will all experience justice and some level of judgment. But how we view that can lead us to experiencing joy. Now, as we go through our passages this morning, we're going to jump around from some of the verses to catch the whole picture that the teacher gives us so poetically. And as we do that, we're going to look at the trouble and temptation of this present life, the judgment and justice of the next, and the joy that that should bring us as we wrestle through it. So let's start with the trouble, which we've already been wrestling through, but we see it most touched on in verse 14. There is something else meaningless that occurs on the earth. The righteous who get what the wicked deserve and the wicked who get what the righteous deserve. That's the trouble, isn't it? That's what I've already expressed. That we just see people who do things the wrong way, do things who may, people maybe morally corrupt, maybe greed drives them, maybe there's something else where there's just not a care for others. Ends up meaning that they profit. But then there's those people who try to do what's right. We we try to do what's good, but we at best maybe just don't get everything we deserve, but at worst, we actually get punished for doing the right thing. Life isn't a movie. We aren't the characters that we see. I bet if you just stop and think about your life, you can find situations where you've seen this rule of life play, where life just isn't fair, and the good don't get what they deserve, and neither do the bad. For me, one of the most poignant pictures that I can recall is being in Southeast Asia. In the country where I was, the, persecu- the church was persecuted. They weren't allowed to gather, they were just trying to do what was right and live in light of what God wanted for them. And they had to go underground, they had to worship separate from everything else because if they didn't, they would be imprisoned, and for leaders, they could be executed. But then, there were those who were in power. They profited, they became quite wealthy because of this persecution. It just seemed like nothing could ever be right for those who were trying to do good. In Scripture, we see that the most poignant example is, of course, Jesus Jesus came as fully God and fully man to live and to teach us and to guide us, and ultimately he died because of the message he carried. Now this was a part of his plan, but when you look at it from this perspective of did he get what he deserved? Of course not. He did not. Now, for a lot of us, because we see the trouble of the world and the injustice of all this, we go, well, if God's supposed to be right, if God is supposed to be good, then how come he doesn't reward those who do what is right? How come he doesn't punish those who do wrong? And that's a great question, and one we'll get to as we explore on in this verse a little bit further. But first, we have to look at the temptation of this trouble That we experience in verse 11 we read when the sentence for a crime is not quickly carried out people's hearts are filled with schemes to do wrong the temptation because of the injustice of life because sometimes when you do the wrong thing you get rewarded we can find ourselves wanting to do what we know we shouldn't sometimes we think to ourselves well maybe it's not all that bad You know, maybe this isn't something I'm going to get caught on or or maybe it's not really that big of a deal because no one's going to get harmed. And so we're tempted to lean in and do something so that we too can profit from the broken system. Have you ever thought to yourself, well, what if I just put uh, an artistic spin on this report that I'm supposed to file? What about if you just tell something Somebody, Or you neglect to tell something to somebody that might benefit them. What about if you think that there's a corner that you can cut in safety just because you don't think it ever really will have that big of an impact? These are the types of temptations that come to our lives because of this brokenness that we experience. And chances are that this temptation has flared up a time or two and maybe you have given in. I know I've been tempted, but there's a problem with giving in to this temptation. The problem isn't just that we might get caught. It's not just that someone could get hurt, but it's the fact that it has such a short-sighted and limited view. It doesn't really take into account all of what life has for us, and it definitely does not take into consideration the state of our soul. And that's where the teacher is trying to lead us, where he continually reminds us about this idea of death, that we have to see things with the correct perspective. The teacher then also leads us to understanding and thinking about the fact that everything doesn't just end one day when we die, but there's eventually justice and judgment which occur. In verse 12, we read, Although a wicked person who commits a hundred crimes may live a long time, I know that it will go better with those who fear God, who are reverent before him. Yet because the wicked do not fear God, it will not go well with them, and the days will not lengthen like a shadow. The truth of the matter is that life isn't all there is to our existence, there is more to life after death. And we believe that as Christians because of the basis of scriptures. But I know that there's some of us who maybe are listening and you think to yourselves, well, I'm pretty skeptical about this Christianity thing, and I don't believe what you believe. Others might actually be hostile to what I'm sharing, and you might think to yourself, there is not a chance that God can ever judge me. One of the greatest example of this belief system is a professor from Cornell University, Dr. Will Provine. He once wrote this, when you die, you are not going to be surprised because you're going to be completely dead. Now, if I find myself aware after I'm dead, I'm going to be really surprised. But at least I'm going to hell where I won't have all of those grinning preachers from Sunday morning. Dr. Provine, in his book on Darwinism, Uh, provides a lot of other things that he knows. He says, I know there's no gods, no purposes, no goal-directed forces of any kind. He goes on to say that he knows that there is no life after death, no ultimate foundation for ethics, and no meaning for life. But when we think about what Dr. Provine knows, what we're actually hearing is not fact, but a system of beliefs. He has a system of beliefs that cannot be scientifically or rationally proven. They are a basis of a belief system that he has constructed and lives out of. Now I know what you might be thinking is, yeah, but Kyle, you have your beliefs. This guy has his and maybe I have mine, but then Kyle, you have another set. But as we think about those beliefs, we, we wonder where do we look for, for some level of foundation? If not all of these things, can be proven in a scientific, quantitative way, how do we find some foundation for this belief? And this is really important because this belief system is something that a wise teacher is trying to shake us up about. He's trying to show us a fault in one way of living so that we can experience joy in another. And so, while I don't have the time to dive into all of this, uh, I would encourage you to check out a previous series that we've done called Don't Check Your Brain at the Door. But let me give you a little bit of insight into why I believe in some of this stuff that we're talking about. The reality is, is because there was a historical person. The person of Jesus. Jesus is an individual who was born, who died, and rose again. And there's all sorts of good, valid reasons why we can believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And one of those reasons is because there were hundreds of eyewitnesses who didn't just see him over the course of sort of one tripping out where, you know, a handful of people say, oh yeah, I saw him. But there were hundreds of witnesses over the course of days who had known Jesus had been died and buried, but had now seen him again. And that provides some of the evidence for why I believe that we need to listen to what the author, the teacher of Ecclesiastes, is trying to say. Now, I'm not saying this is one of those grinning preachers that Dr. Provine warns about. I'm not trying to do this to to get into an intellectual sparring moment. Why I want to deliver this message is because it breaks my heart that every single day people die without knowing the truth that people go on through life with the wrong worldview, one that is short, thinking about what is immediate and, and what they can get for now, and that they never know what they can have for eternity. What every single one of us needs to know is that God loves you, that you have value, that he wants to provide incredibly for you in ways that you and any possible way of living cannot provide. The reason why all of this happens, all this injustice, all this frustration, actually is all tied to that. It's because God loves us. It's not because he likes these things. It's not because he wants the world to work in brokenness. That's humanity's fault. But all of this that occurs, occurs because God has a character and he has a desire for us. In Exodus 34 verse 6, we read that God is slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. The reason why the wicked get to live so long sometimes, the reason why some of this goes on is because God is showing mercy, love, and patience. In Romans chapter 2 verse 4, it sums up all that kindness of God by saying God's kindness is meant to lead you to repentance. Yes, people will go on through life and they will abuse God's character. They will justify their beliefs and their behavior. But at the end of life, there will come a day of judgment where God's justice will be rolled out. God promises that as much as he has these characteristics of being patient and kind and loving and merciful there is consequence to the way we live our lives. And because of that, we are destined for death. We are destined for a miserable eternity separated from God without something that can take care of all of it. And that brings us back to the person of Jesus. Jesus came to live and die as one who could live a perfect life, as one who could go on without doing wrong, as one who could point away with their life and teaching to give us hope and joy and peace. And he did that so that he could rise again, paying the penalty for our sin so that we could receive everything that God wants for us if we put our faith and trust in Jesus and ask for the forgiveness of where we have gone wrong. God offers this as a gift to you and to me, and he gives it freely for us to receive. I would challenge you that if you have found yourself in a place today where you've yet to receive what Jesus has done, to truly consider it. Consider where your beliefs have led you consider where your beliefs will lead you after death. And if you can't answer those questions for what may or may not come, if you know that there have been places where you have done wrong, then I would implore you to reach out and receive what God has given you. I'd encourage you to talk to God, pray to him, spend time appreciating who he is, his character, what he has offered you in his son Jesus. And then choose to live your life in a new way, in the way that God has designed you for and the world for, so that you can experience all that he has. If you don't know how to pray, if you don't know where to go today, I'd invite you to pray alongside of me now. Dear God, we thank you for your love. God, we don't always understand the way that you do things, but we are thankful that you are patient, that you are kind, that you love us enough to work with us. God, I thank you for sending Jesus to die for us, for me. God, I ask that you would forgive me for where I have done wrong. God, I ask that you would continue to help me to learn what you would have for me and help me to follow you. God, I receive your love. I receive your forgiveness thank you for all this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Now if you have prayed that, I'd encourage you to let someone know. If you're in our our live service, you can press the button on the right hand side. Otherwise, we'd encourage you to reach out to us so that we can celebrate with you. So that we can help you uh, know and take your next steps in how you can follow Jesus and receive the life that he would have for you. But this all, for those of us who maybe just received Christ, for those of us who have known him for a long time, this is how that idea of God's justice connects to our joy. There is a great joy for those of us who are followers of Jesus, and that is that while this world may be broken, while things don't continue to go on in a way that we, we see as being fair and right, that it, despite the fact that there are present difficulties, that God has so much more in store for us. In Ecclesiastes 8.15, it says, So I commend the enjoyment of life because there is nothing better for a person under the sun than to eat and drink and be glad. Then joy will accompany them in their toil all the days of the life God has given them under the sun. We have so much to find joy in. We have hope not just for this life, but for life after death, for an eternity spent with a God who loves us. Our salvation is secured because of Jesus, and that means so much to our day-to-day life. While there's no promise that we will experience prosperity because of doing what is right, there is promise for what God will do your life will not always be easy. There will be troubles that you experience. There's gonna be times when you work and you toil and it feels like you can never get more of what other people have. There's gonna be times where it feels like you don't get everything that you deserve, but remember that your life is incredibly full of the goodness of God. His love, his faithfulness, His provision is given to us again and again and again, which allows us to look at life, to look at every day under the sun with joy because we have a perspective that's bigger than the momentary struggle we have. We have a bigger perspective than the length of our career. We have the perspective of eternity where we get to experience all that God has for us. So what do we do with this? Where does this lead us? How do do we use this knowledge? Well, first and foremost, it should continually lead us to Jesus. Again, if you have not put your faith and trust in Jesus, you need to experience. I hope that as you hear some of this about the joy that we have, about how we have something that brings us perspective, that overcomes our circumstances, that you realize that there really is something that you are missing out on. And you do not need to miss out on it for another day. Because Jesus is here for you now. And for all of us who know Jesus, we walk with Jesus, we're learning to follow him, we need to remember to turn to him again and again. When those temptations flare up to live in a certain way, we need to look towards our heavenly perspective, towards the frame of mind that we get from Jesus. And that brings us to the second thing. We need to allow this to start to change our heart and our attitude. If you're struggling with that temptation of living in a way that everyone else does, you are not alone, but you do not need to succumb to that. Jesus has more for you. You need to look to the hope that you have and be reminded of the provision that God has given that none of us deserve, that none of us can earn, and remember that that is more than enough. And as we do that, we actually do two great things. The first is that we honor God. We worship him with our lives. When we choose to do what is right, even if we know that it won't profit us, we get to experience the honor of coming before God and celebrating who he is in light of all our circumstances. The second thing we get to do as we live our lives in a countercultural, Jesus centered way is we get to be an example to those around us. As it's said in Romans that God's kindness leads people to repentance, God also uses us as Jesus followers to lead others towards Him. When we choose to live a different way, when we choose to be honest, to live faithfully, to be trustworthy, when we choose not to cut corners, when we choose to be joyful in dark and hard circumstances, we shine the light of Jesus to all those who see. And let me tell you this, when you have the opportunity to be a part of winning someone for Jesus, you are richer than anything else that life could provide for you. Because you get to be a part of an incredible thing that God is doing here on earth. And finally, as we think about these things, I hope that this reminds you to pray. To pray for others. When we look at others and and, and we see that the wicked are in power, that the greedy run the corporations, that people who backstab, lie, cheat, steal, get ahead and get the career that you want, rather than being envious, rather than being angry, rather than being accusatory towards them, what I think we need to do is turn and pray. We need to center our heart on what Jesus wants for us, and we need to recognize that those people need God. God invites us to pray, and it is an active participation in what God is doing here on earth. And so we get to participate in what God is doing with those people that we can see. We need to remember that God is playing a long game in the lives of people, that he is patient, that he is steadfast in love, that he is kind, all for the purpose of redeeming people to himself, for winning people into his family, into his kingdom. And so we should pray for those who do not experience it. We don't pity them. We're not angry with them. We're not envious of them. We love them. And we love God. So let us be encouraged to turn to Jesus, to change our focus, our attitudes, and our actions, and to pray. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this opportunity to encounter your word once again. God, we thank you for the teacher of Ecclesiastes who, who, who gives us this beautiful poetry, but this depth of wisdom that we can encounter Father, I pray for all those who might be listening today who who don't yet have a relationship with you. Lord, would they come to see the joy and hope and peace and love? Lord, would they see all of these attributes of you? Would they learn that that is accessible for them? Would they receive that so that you can continue to fill them up? so that you can lead them into the prosperity that you want for them, which might not be anything like what they, they think or imagine, but Lord, that is exactly what they need. God, for those of us who are followers of you, Lord, when we find ourselves frustrated, when we find ourselves tempted to, to live in the way that our, our world works when it is broken, Lord God, would you help us to stay steadfast? Would you help to remind us by your Holy Spirit about what you have done for us? about what you continue to do in our lives what you want to do in and through us Lord God would we embrace that would it bring us great joy would it allow us to to, to walk away from the temptation and walk in the way that you want us to live Lord God I just pray that you'd surround those who are a part of our church family with that today this week Lord in the coming weeks as we may face those different things as we wrestle with the things we we see in the news that we experience in our workplaces that we we see in our families, Lord God, and will we live in such a different way that we embrace everything you have, that we lead others towards you, and that we are active agents of your change in our world. And God, in all of this, we pray that your kingdom would come here on earth, in Abbotsford, in our homes, in our lives, as it is in heaven. And would we experience your great joy. And we pray this in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen.